Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to Wednesday night yet again. Now, we're in part four of our series, Non-Negotiables. Thank you guys very, very much. As we're talking about just what the Bible has to say, some of these things that really, that they don't change. It's not a matter of, well, is it kind of this, that, or the next thing? But the Bible really lays down as foundational that this is what it is. In fact, in Hebrews 6.1, it says this. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from act that leads to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Implying that if we don't get it right about this, we're not gonna be able to go on. There's things that we'll miss until we get this right. That this is the fundamentals. This is what we need to do. There's, there's no wiggle room. We start here, and this is what it is. Now, we've already talked about repentance from acts that lead to death, about faith in God, and about baptisms. Today we're gonna start, and we're gonna talk about the laying on of hands. Now, as, as we do this, this is, if you've ever done a puzzle, you put the piece together, and you put another piece, and you put another piece, and you put another piece, and unless you've got the cheat sheet, the box, you wait until it's done to see what it's gonna look like. You wait until it's done. And even if you have the cheat sheet, you know that, well, eventually when I get this all together, it's gonna look like this. It might not quite yet, but it's going to look like this. So as, as we go through here, wait until we're done, and you'll have the entire, entire picture. But we're gonna look at laying on of hands. Now, well, we'll just start right here. Let's just go to 1 Timothy 5, 22. And as we go through this series, we're using a lot more scripture than normal, simply because as we go through these foundational things, our foundation needs to be on God's word. It can't be, well, remember he said this and it sounded right? Or he said that one story that helped me to connect. I think that that was kind of something about that, but that it needs to be founded our belief needs to be founded on the word of God. So I encourage you, take notes, write it down. So we're gonna start in 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. And this is what it says. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is a big deal. It's a big deal. There's something to it. It's like, hey, don't just, don't just do, don't just throw this thing around. But why? Why? All right, well, we're going to go down to, we're going to go to James. Now, James 2.26 talks about faith. And it says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or action or deed is dead. When it comes to laying out of the hands, one, thing, one of the things that, that, oh, that was awesome. I just pushed the chair out from underneath myself. That would have been funny. One of the things that, that happens when we lay hands on somebody is that it is an act of faith. I mean, I have dirty, most of the time, I have very dirty hands. They're all beat up because it doesn't matter what I do. If I ever work on my car, I know I'm going to jam my knuckles into something and this, that, and the next thing. And they're, they're beat up, and I was boiling sap and then stirring the sap and taking stuff out and I burned my hand with all the steam and my, I have nasty hands, but yeah, anyways, 
their hands. So what's so special about them? Well, it's nothing really. But we know that when, when we obey God, it is an act of faith. And faith without works is dead. And when I say, you know what, the Bible tells me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Not because I think my hands are anything special, but because the Bible says so, so I'm going to do it. That's, a, that's an act of faith. And for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't really, really? And others of you are like, yeah, that is, because you didn't grow up around church, and you're like, what's wrong with all these people that they keep touching each other all the time? Like, this, you ever talk to somebody that's like that, where they, they literally have to be touching you to, to speak, and you're like, can you talk without touching me at the same time? And they're always like, well, hey, and uh. And you're like, okay, I got a bigger bubble than that. Let's just back off a little bit. You, you know, you, you, what you first do is I usually do this, is you, is you put your foot kind of out front, and you kind of lean back a little bit, and you're like, let's see if they'll go through that, but they still have to just touch you. Yeah, those are funny people. And there's like three of you, and you're like, oh. But when it comes to laying out of hands, if you didn't grow up around it, you, it, it does, it's not a normal thing to do. You think, why, why are they so touchy? That doesn't even make sense. And in a, in a way, you're absolutely right. That when we do this, when we lay hands on somebody, and we're going to get into the wins and the whys and the hows of that in just a minute, but when we lay hands on somebody because the Bible says to, it is an act of faith. It's us saying, okay, I want to do this. Not because I think it makes sense or I understand that there's some great, amazing, it doesn't make all that much sense. If, does God have to use my hand? But I like what 1 Corinthians says. It says in chapter 1, verse 27, and I think this describes the laying out of hands quite well. It says, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chooses the lowly things in this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. We know when we lay hands on somebody, there's nothing special about my hand. There's nothing special. This is you, God. You are the one that's doing it, but I'm gonna act in faith because your word says to. Because your word says to. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do this. It's an act of faith. In fact, if we look at the story in Luke chapter 8, this woman has an issue of blood. We don't know exactly what's wrong, but that she'd been going to doctors. It wasn't doing any good at all. But she sees Jesus walking through a crowd. And she says, I know that if I could just touch, just, just touch the hem of his clothes, just a little bit, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I know that I will. That's her act of faith. Her act of faith is if I can just touch that, I know I'll be healed. So she goes and she sneaks up on Jesus and she touches him. There's a whole big crowd of people. And when she touches him, Jesus turns and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you serious? There's people all around and yet you say, who touched me? And Jesus says, no, I felt power come out of me. There is a transfer of power that can happen through touch. And now we're going to keep on going as we talk more about examples of laying, on, of, of laying hands on people. See, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. So we're going to look in the Bible at the whens and wheres and how and why. And why is this so fundamental that this, the, I say Paul, who wrote Hebrews, says that this is 
foundational that if we can't get this right, we have to get this right so that we can move on. Well, if we look at the example, we'll start in Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus said to them, only in his own hometown and among his own relatives is a prophet without honor. Verse 5, he could do no, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Jesus laid his hands on people and healed them. See, some things we look at and we think, it, it, can, it can almost lose its power because we just, we just it's, it's almost tradition. Well, that's just what they do. Maybe you grew up in a church, you didn't really know why they laid hands on people, but you looked and you're like, you go up there, they lay hands on you. You just, you just do it because that's what they do. And they're gonna lay their hands on you, they're gonna touch you, I don't know why. But there's a whole lot more to it. Jesus came, and this is exactly what he did. He put his hands on them, and they were healed. Mark 8.22 says that they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man, a blind beggar, to Jesus to touch him. See, people looked, and they knew that something was going on when Jesus touched people. He looked at the blind man, or he took him by the hand, and led him outside the village, and when, they, when he had spit in the man's eyes, I have no idea why. That's just one of those things I think that God was like, this is gonna be fun. Because honestly, if you're blind, I really don't think you wanna be spit on, but he's like, he's gonna love this because he's gonna be able to see. I really don't know, but let's keep going. When he had spit in the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and they were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And what I think is really interesting about this story is Jesus didn't pray. It does not say Jesus took him out, prayed for him. It just says Jesus laid his hands on him. That in the spit. That was it. No praying. There's a transfer of power that occurs through touch. Luke 4.40 says this, And when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. If we look at the example that's in the Bible when it comes to healing and praying for the sick, it involves the laying on of hands. It involves the laying on of hands. An angel appeared to Ananias and said, I want you to go... There's a man named Saul, he's been blinded, and I want you to, what? Let's look at what he goes and what he does. Acts chapter nine, verse 17. Ananias went to the house, entered, placed his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And his eyes were opened and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened through the laying on of hands. If we're gonna follow the example that's in the Bible, healing, when it comes to praying, when it comes to healing, a part of that is most definitely laying out of hands. And again, not because it really makes all that much difference, it's just a hand, except that it makes all the difference because we're stepping out in faith and we're following through with what God said to do. We're obeying scripture, saying, okay, that's what the Bible says to do, so I'm going to do it. I don't have to understand it for it to work. 
When I get in my car, I turn the key, my engine starts. I don't have to understand it for it to work. I know, a little bit, I mean, it closes the circuit and the little starter motor starts to spin and it jumps up and hits the flywheel and spins that whole thing. I, but I don't understand enough. I couldn't repeat it. I couldn't make it work on my own. But I don't have to understand it to make it work. And when it comes to laying out of hands, I do not have to understand the science, because there isn't any, behind it, except to know I know that the Bible says to do this, and I'm going to be faithful to what the Bible says, and I believe that what the Bible says is true, so watch what happens when I do this. Not because of something that I'm able to do, but because of what I cannot do, God will do. And watch what happens. So when it comes to healing, absolutely, it is the laying on of hands. And then we look, and there's more to it than just that. Matthew 19, 13. And again, this is Jesus. It says, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked him, and, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Verse 15, and when he had placed his hands on them, he went from there. Jesus blessed, and some of your translations will say that, he blessed the children by placing his hands on them. As we look at Luke, Luke 24, 50, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. The disciples did the same thing. They did the exact same thing. Bum, bum, bum. Where should we start with this one? Um, in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, the, the church had been growing, been growing like crazy. And so people came to the disciples and they said, hey, our widows aren't being fed. And the disciples were like, okay, well, we need somebody else to do this. We're not going to neglect you know, preaching and teaching to, to take care of the tables and making sure that they're getting the food that they need to. So let's find seven men. And let's have them do it. Let's, have, let's, let's set them apart and get them to do this. So they found some men to do it. Verse five, so they proposed, the proposal pleased the whole group. They said, hey, here's some guys. They chose Stephan, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prokos, Nicaron, Tim, Timony, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Verse six, then they presented these men to the disciples who prayed and laid their hands on them, blessing them to do the very work that they were then going to be doing. Another thing is simply blessing. We see that in Deuteronomy where Moses, well, it t- talks about Joshua. Joshua, who's the leader that followed after Moses. Moses led the children of Israel when they came out of, <clears throat> when they came out of Egypt. And Moses, what he did and as he ha- how he led was absolutely amazing. The, the number of miracles and just miraculous signs. He fed the children of Israel in the desert. <clears throat> I say he, it's God who fed him, but Moses was a leader at the time and he spoke to the people for God. And he said, well, God's gonna send manna from heaven and little loaves of little flakes of cake would show up. And okay, quail are gonna be here and, and you, you want water? It'll come out of a rock. They followed. God led them. The Bible says at, during the day with a cloud and at night with a pillar of fire. Now Moses dies. Now imagine you get to be the next leader. You're like, those are some big shoes. 
Like serious, I'm supposed to follow after this guy? Wow, this really might not go that well. But look, Deuteronomy 34, verse nine, talks about Joshua. And it says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had, Moses had laid his hands on him. Moses knew he was coming up next and prayed for him and blessed him with a spirit of wisdom. With a spirit of wisdom. Acts chapter 13 Verse two, again talking about the laying on of hands and just the power that can happen through this. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Again, blessing them and setting them to go and do the work that they were to do. Through the laying on of hands, this is, I think I'm starting to get a bit of the understanding why. We read at the very beginning and it said, don't be hasty with the laying on of hands. I'm beginning to understand a little bit about just the simple power that comes through, the transfer that can happen through the laying on of hands. Another thing that happens through the laying on of hands is the imparting of the Holy Spirit. We'll go to Acts chapter eight for this one. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaria, <coughs> heard that the, wow, that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them yet, but they'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. What? When? When they placed their hands on them. And they're doing this, and there's this guy, Simon. He's seen all this happen. He's like, that's sweet. I see what is happening as a result of you laying your hands on these people. So Simon comes to him in verse 18. He says, uh, verse 19, he says, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. He saw that through the laying on of hands, the people were receiving the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want to be able to do that. And of course, the disciples are like, no. You don't, you, he tried to buy it. <laughs> They're like, no, that's not how this works. And they set that man straight. But it was through the laying on of hands. Spiritual gifts are imparted the same way. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. There is power in that. And again, as we read this, it's, it's not like, oh, you turn the faucet and it opens up the access and it causes the water to come through. Instead, it's, it, it's an act of faith. We say, because the Bible says, I am going to do this. I'm gonna do this, not because my hands are special, this, that, or the next thing, but because the Bible tells me to do this. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick, so I'll lay hands on the sick. When we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna lay hands on you, because that's the example I have in the Bible. Paul said, follow my examples, I follow Christ, so that is what I want to do. And this 
What we look at here and what we keep reading in the Bible, we don't look and say, oh, that's, that, was, that was for them and that was for somebody else. But that's for you and that's for I. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus, this is the red stuff. This is the red stuff. And he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever, everybody say, whoever. That's you, that's me, right? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany who? Those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is for whoever believes. For whoever believes. This is for you and for me today. This isn't for the elite SEAL Team 6 group. No, 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 no. Oh, well, some Christians are gonna be, no, this is whoever believes. As a believer, we have the authority to walk in this, to, to walk in that authority. We have that, all of us. We all have that. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, this is Jesus talking, will do what I have been doing. So we look and what we see Jesus doing, what we see he was doing, what we see as a result, he says, that is available for everyone. What I was doing, he'll do. But he goes on and he says this, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that when the Son may bring glory to the Father, you, will, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the authority that believers have. That Jesus says, I'm going to the Father and you ask, you wait, you watch what happens. Mark chapter six, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons, they will speak in tongues, they'll pick up snakes, They'll drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is what is available to each and every one of us. But we look at this, we say, okay, I've got it. And as, as I was preparing this message, I was like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't so much a, a, here's this awesome, how, how do I say that? This isn't a, like, hey, go do this little thing. Here's a little nugget. Take this, hold on to it, and go. I'm like, but what this is, is this is the foundation that we stand on in order to go and do what we need to do, to literally be his hands and feet. Again, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not enough to say what's a tradition and I know other people have done this or I see other people, I saw this guy on TV do this one time so I'm gonna do what he did or this is what they do in church so I'm just gonna copy what they do. But to know this is what the Bible says so I'm gonna do it. I'm standing because I know what the word of God says and I'm going to do this. Because this, this is what happens to me. When I go to do this, I get attacked. It was a while back. I was uh, called to the hospital. <clears throat> so off to the hospital I go and some, someone was there and they just said, hey, can you send a pastor to come up here and pray for us? And I'm like, absolutely, love to. So I go up there and uh, walk in the hospital room and when I get to the hospital room, I walk in and the minute I walk through the door, my heart just, just dropped. I look on the bed and there's just this little kid, 
I mean, just a little baby, not even a kid, a baby, a little baby. And the baby, they've got him strapped down because he's got all these tubes and IVs and little electrode things all over him and stuff and tubes coming out of his mouth. And my heart just broke. You're like, oh, who could do anything to hurt this awesome little kid? And the minute I walked to that room, this is the battle that I immediately, the first thought that just jumped into my head was, you didn't pray enough. How much did you read your Bible today? You think you can do anything for this kid? Just bam, it hits you as you walk the door and I'm like, oh, I want to do everything I can for this kid. I want to do more. But that's just what hits me the second I walk through. And I'm like, man. But then I'm like, wait. It's never about me. It's not about what I'm going to do for him. I can't do anything for him at all. I hardly know the difference between a vein and an artery. I'm not going to be able to help this kid. It's not what I'm going to do. It's what Jesus is going to do through me. That's what's going to do this. Not me, not my hands, not what I'm going to do. There's nothing special about the oil. There's nothing special about these hands. This is about me doing what the Bible says to and watching God is the one that's faithful to do, to watch over his word and to perform it. It doesn't have to do with me. But I have to fight those. I've, I fight them. I'm like, no, this is what this is. I know exactly what this is. So absolutely, I throw those thoughts out and say, no, I know this is going to make a difference, not because of how much I read or didn't read or how spiritual I am or how many bad thoughts I fought off today or didn't fight or what I didn't do wrong or right or how spiritual I think I am today, but because God is faithful to perform his word, not because of me. So I walked in there and the family's there. And I'm like, yes, I'd love to pray for this baby. We're going to pray for this baby. And we're going to see the healing in this baby in a full restoration for your child. But I'm able to fight it off because I know what the word of God says. Because I'm not doing this out of tradition, not because I've seen somebody else do it. See, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though Christ was making his appeal through us. He says, we employ you on Christ's behalf. We're ambassadors. We don't stand in our own power, we stand in his. We stand in his power. And that's the power that each and every one of us have, that when we lay hands on the sick, they recover. It's not the special this, that, or the next thing, or the the special words that we say. No. No, we resist in Jesus' name, that's absolutely right. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. If the Bible says, if what the Bible says is true, then let's, let's do something with it. And let's, let's stand. Let's realize that it's not up to me. That, yeah, I've made some mistakes here and yesterday and the day before, and I shouldn't have done this or that. But it doesn't have to do with that. We're Christ's ambassadors, as though he was making his appeal through us. An ambassador doesn't stand in their own strength. They say, hey, I've got the backing of an entire country behind me, so this is how it's gonna be. And though he stands thousands of miles away from his home country, he stands there with the authority and the backing of that entire country. And when we walk in, 
when we speak in Jesus' name, we have that same authority. The backing of all of heaven is behind us. And we stand and we say, I'm gonna, we're gonna take care of business. I'm gonna put my hands on you. Why? Because the Bible says so. This is fundamental that we walk in faith. And we say, I am gonna do this. And you are, healing is going to come. Yes, I will bless you and this and what's happening, what's going on, and we wanna stand in faith with you as a result of it. It's not us. It's not, can I get this particular, I need this special thing over here, get all of these people to pray and this, that. No. God, you're gonna perform your word. You're not a respecter of person. He's not a respecter of person in any way, shape, or form. But let's stand on our own feet and say, God, I'm gonna stand on what your word says and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. So we got just a couple minutes. So here's what we are going to do. Can I get everybody to stand up? Everyone to stand up. All right, hold out your hands. Say, these are my hands. And God, I give them to you. Use them and use me. All right, would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. God, we come before you tonight and we thank you for your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we want to go where you would have us go. We want to say what you would have us say. And we want to be your hands and we want to be your feet. I thank you for every single person that's here. The God that you will, that you have empowered them. And that they can be a light to the world around them. I thank you, God, that as they go out throughout the week, that they will see opportunities to be your hands and to be your feet. That they will not back down, but they will rise to the challenge. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you do not know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, where you would go if you were to die, you can leave here knowing. See, the Bible says that if you confess with your if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. See, I want to make sure that every single person here knows that you're on your way to heaven. But it's more than that. You can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven that you are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven, be set free from the guilt and shame of your past and begin to walk in that relationship with Jesus that brings peace. I would call it the peace that passes all understanding. So if that's you and you wanna know being a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven, or if you say, there was a time that I was saved but I've turned my back, I've been living my own way and I'm so far from God, you can come back. God says in his word that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. So we can pray and you can know being a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven tonight. You can know that you're on your way to heaven, that your sins are forgiven, be free from the guilt and shame and begin to walk in the peace that comes through a relationship with him. Don't go another day wondering, am I, am I not, where do I stand? You can live here knowing where you stand with God. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high so that I can see it. And we wanna pray with you and you can leave here knowing in a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven, forgiven and free. You ready to shoot those up high? Ready, one, two, three. Say, that's me and I'm leaving. Set free and on my way to heaven tonight. I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna know in a shadow of a doubt where I stand. All right. Thank you. Who else? Lift it up high so that I can see it if you would. All right. All right, let's pray. Let's just pray with those that lifted their hands as well. Say, Jesus, 
I believe you died, but you rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. Forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm gonna live for you with all that I am. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616 534 4923.